Welcome to the New Zealand International Film Festival podcast series. Today's Q&A follows a screening of By the Balls and is with producer and co-director Charlotte Purdy. Has anyone got a question? Thank you. A couple of things. Um, it was amazing how um, brutal the um, French were. Um, you know, particularly Eric Chomp uh, dealing to Kirk early part. Um, you mentioned the um, uh, the, what, what was it? The um, inaugural um, launch last night. Where was that held, please? Oh, the premiere of the film was here. The premiere last night. was here, yep. right? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. No, it was it was absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Cheers. Just out of curiosity, is there anyone here associated with the game that you know had friends or players or something in there? There's someone there. I'm interested to hear from you. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> no pressure. That was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, especially because it was so um, connected with polit politics and brought in a lot of social, economic, cultural things, political things. Do you think that's still true of sport and all blacks today? Um, I think that that particular period from 1981, even though we started this film really in 1985, I think that is definitely the most turbulent time of a sporting past that New Zealand went through, that New Zealanders were, you know, probably a lot of New Zealanders were very passionate about with the protesting. I think that was quite a unique time in history with, you know, the Cavaliers tour um, and the Springboks, basically. I can't think of another time um, Really, so that that was a big reason why I chose to do that story was really a, about the politics around it. I don't have any interest in rugby. I still only know about six names of the 1987 All Blacks, to be honest with you. That's how focused I was on the particular research I was doing. But it was very much trying to wrap in national stories and, you know, the I could see there was a real seesaw that happened during those two years that kind of tied to the game. So, yeah. Mine's not really a question but actually it's also to congratulate you on putting together a fantastic film the part that really struck me was the quality of leadership that came through particularly from David Kirk and in some respects the arrogance of the old style that some people still want to attribute to rugby and to the All Blacks I think that you showed the human side of the All Blacks through that, but particularly that leadership. And it's, you know, David has shown that by going on to doing great things in business. But there are so many lessons in there about bringing people together, how to, how to engage them, having a common purpose. And to a certain extent, I guess Brian Lahore played a role in that as well. He did. So yeah. I, I'm particularly passionate about leadership and I really commend you on the way that you have demonstrated that and brought that through in a movie that's so much more than about rugby. Oh, thank you. Cheers. I just wanted to congratulate you. Uh, I was a rugby administrator in that time. Uh, I was chairman of the North Harbour Rugby Union and we just started and we were the only, the first union, to oppose the tour, uh, the, the proposed tour of 1985. And uh, 
to say it was a difficult time would be a big understatement. At the time when the tour was announced, people probably, most people would not know, but the time when the tour was announced, uh, when the New Zealand Union had said, yes, we're going to go, most of my administrators were concerned for, for two reasons. If you just looked at it from a rugby point of view, let alone the moral situation about playing with South Africa, but from a rugby point of view, we had a situation where because of the moral situation, we, we were going to lose something like 50% of our players and coaches because they were not supporting the, the tour and we were just starting off as a rugby union. The second thing was, I probably and most of my rugby administrators slept in our clubhouses once a week because we were afraid of, and there were, and there were a lot of threats going from protest movements to destroy the uh, property of rugby at the time. It was an amazingly divisive time in society where if you came out and said you're opposed to the tour, the person sitting alongside you thought you'd been kicked in the head too many times playing rugby. Yes. And it was a, it, yeah. It's very hard to to um, to actually describe what what it was like at that time. Yes, and I think you were probably a very much a minority of rugby supporters yeah, and people <laughs> who were involved in rugby yeah. who did not support the tour because mm. I am aware that what well, I didn't canvas in the film that there was an enormous amount of New Zealanders rural New Zealanders, rugby-loving New Zealanders yeah. who really wanted them to go on tour. When I say divided the nation, it was really 50-50. So it was very rural mm, versus yes, city Yes, well. absolutely. So yeah. um, and I was quite nervous how the rugby union who came last night um, to the film, how they would respond to the film and whether they'd still be defensive all these years later. Um, also, I hadn't... I hadn't explained to them the depth of politics that I was doing in the film because I actually needed their permission to use the rugby archive footage that we have um, and it's really hard to get permission and we were doing, we were trying to get permission for a year. It's incredibly expensive so I actually really needed them to help me to get the archive. <laughs> so I was very nervous what they were going to say. But there was, um, Brent Impey came along who's the CEO of Rugby Union, I think that's his title. Um, he was really, so he said that he really loved it and in fact time has so moved on, in fact he was one of the people who was actually anti the tour back in the day. So, you know, it's just interesting how much time has been canvassed. I was grateful they weren't. And if still. you look at the makeup of the Springbok team that are playing on Saturday, you'll see how much it's changed also. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Any other questions out there? All right, get your running shoes on, Katie. Yeah. Yeah, I was just really grateful that IMG, who um, licensed, distribute the uh, footage, gave it to... I mean, it's basically $16,000 a minute for rugby footage. So what? we would never have been able to tell the story without their support. And um, I'm really grateful... Someone nodding there. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> I'm really grateful for their support to try and um, allow us to use the footage that we did and not have to ruthlessly edit it right back. Mm. Yeah. Hi. Yeah, hi. Congratulations. Great documentary. And um, I was wondering if you'd, ever, if you'd tried or endeavoured to go to the likes of some of the Cavaliers 
the guys in the 86 tour, like Mexted and Hayden and others, just to find yes, out yes, I did. if, did you, if yep. their views had changed? Yep, I, I absolutely. I, I begged Andy Dalton to take part in the film. I said that I will film an interview with you, I'll edit it together, you can come into the editing suite, and if you don't like it, you can pull out of the film. That's how much I wanted his voice in there. Um, but he just didn't want to revisit it, basically. Um, and actually, that offer could have gone horribly wrong when I think about it. <laughs> just pulling him out and re-editing it would have been quite a big deal. But he didn't want to do it. And then um, I had a very, very focused... I knew who I wanted to interview in the research phase. You know, it was really those four. It was Wayne, David Kirk, Andy Dalton and... Um, John Kerwin. Um, but, well, actually, Grant came in because I couldn't get Andy on board. No disrespect to, many, um, to Grant. But um, Grant absolutely refused to talk about the Cavaliers at all, and that's why he's largely absent from the first part of the film. I thought he added a great bit of colour. He was the kicker who, you know, really off his boot. That was a huge part of the success. I did feel that he deserved a part. Very hard to pick one person. You know, was it Michael Jones or was it Sean Fitzpatrick? I do know a few other names there. There you go. Oh, you're, oh, you're, thank you. You're picking it up well. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else got any other questions out there? No? Oh, well, thank you guys so much for coming. It's really encouraging that you all bought a ticket and took time out of your day oh, to come and see it. More. We've got one more question. It is actually going to be on TV late September. If you wanted to tell your friends Please, about yeah. it. Spread the word about it. Yeah. Charlotte, uh, congratulations. Um, one of the surprises for me, I've, I've followed rugby um, all my life and, uh, I, I, and, and I'm very proud to see the way the All Blacks do the Haka today. And I've, I've never known that it was Buck Shelford who turned that around, who, who, who made that change. So thanks for bringing yeah. that home to me. No, no worries. Um, just really quickly, the Haka was extremely hard for us to convey because we're all used to seeing it as this amazing, quite theatrical version of it now we've all become accustomed to. But, of course, the archive that we had was a little bit underwhelming, you know, 30-something years on. So we actually spent $80,000 dramatising the haka scene and we slotted it in there and we watched it and we thought, oh, no, everyone's just going to think, is that supposed to be Wayne? Is that supposed to be David? Take, you know, took you out of the moment. So we put the scene at the top of the film and then went back to the haka. But that haka is actually cut from seven different hackers um, of the time. Um, you know, and the sound effects, um, yeah, are, uh, you know, added a huge amount to the film in general. It was nice seeing all the footage with all that beautiful sound effects around it, of balls being, you know, kicked and mm. stuff. So it added Felt a like lot to it. like an action film yeah, at some point. Makes it much it? more cinematic and dramatic. Oh, and all right, lucky last question, I believe. Yep. I'm sorry, I may have missed the very beginning statements, but I don't feel like I understand why you made the film. Oh, well, because it's an interesting story, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but mostly because it's an interesting story, but also because I thought that it canvassed a really interesting time in New Zealand's history. And I also really did love the fact that it kind of... Um, 
had, you know, it shows New Zealanders as a country that punches above its weight, that is, you know, we're politically caring, I think, in many ways. Um, we're a progressive little nation who... I, I just felt like it just really um, was a good story, first and foremost, and that it had a lot of uh, moments that would make New Zealanders proud of themselves. Cool. OK. Oh. Well... Oh, we've got one Sorry. desperate we person time, waving. So. Oh, good. Thanks, Katie. Um, just picking up on what you said, um, I again commend you on the movie. Um, I live in Hong Kong, um, and at the moment living in Hong Kong, I do think very much back to living in New Zealand during the um, Springbok tour and the protests then. And um, I think it's so interesting to look at some of the broader themes of the movie and people might think of it as being a movie about New Zealand rugby, but it goes much further than that. And so my question for you is, what is your planned trajectory for the movie now? Well, it's going to have its TVNZ NZ viewing. So it was funded by NZ On Air for New Zealanders. So um, we will get it out there to as many New Zealanders as we can. Um, and then it actually, if I can find a distributor, it could be sold internationally, and then that puts money back in the taxpayer's pocket because NZ On Air... Um, get money back for royalties. So I'd love it to have a life outside New Zealand, so we'll just see how that goes. Yeah. We keep saying one more question. Yeah, feel, we do, feel but free to, to go. Katie's just so eagerly running around with <laughs> yeah. the microphone. Can't stop it. Uh, as a New Zealander who started the 1981 tour in support of rugby and unquestioning the attitude, rugby was great, we're all passionate about it, and uh, my father's friend was Ron Don, who... Uh, said to me, you shouldn't go down to Eden Park with a handbag, which I brought back from Europe. Um, I see this film as a film about a change of consciousness. Do you think there's any validity in that? Because yes. coming to 1985 and finally coming to the World um, Cup, I found that my attitude had absolutely gone a complete reversal from what it was, which was rugby first and foremost into seeing that the moral and political stance that the, t the people that didn't go, I started to associate with them, whereas in the beginning. So I think it's a film about a change of consciousness. Is that reasonably accurate? It is, accurate? it is, and largely a coming of age. Because 1987, that's, that was the point that I started from. We won the Rugby World Cup, we became nuclear free. I could see the French thing in there. thought it was a long bow. Luckily, David Kirk got behind that storyline. Um, and Te Reo was um, made our official language of New Zealand and I could see how all those threads could come together into a kind of coming of age out of the Muldoon era into a uh, Labour era. So, yeah, that's very much what it is. Yep. Okay. Cool. Thank you. thank you, everybody. Thank you for coming and thank you to Charlotte for yes. coming and talking Thanks. us through as producer yeah. and director of the film. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>